Two, one. I think it's time that we start the conversation to silence the shame. Silence the shame. Si- silence the shame. Silence is the difference between treatment or pain, life or death. Silence the shame. Speak up now and silence. 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 Silence the shame. What's up? What's up, everyone? This is your girl Shanti Das, the host of the Silence the Shame podcast. I am here with my right hand man, Free Division. What's up, Shanti? How are you? I'm doing well. He is our wonderful co-host. Yeah. You know we couldn't do this without you. Oh man, thank I'm you. So thank you for saying that. that. You've, I gotta figure out how many episodes you've done with us now. But just to think, you know, that this thing started in March of 2017, and here we are, 31 episodes in. Mm-hmm. This is episode 32 mm-hmm. of the Silence of Shame podcast. So it is all a blessing from above, and we're grateful to be able to have these most important conversations um, for the community, for the culture. For communities of color, for everybody, for all humans in the world, mankind, we just want to be able to get out this critical information um, mm-hmm. regarding emotional health and wellness um, and how it affects your physical, your mental, just everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm really excited about this topic today because it's something that we've been talking about for a while. So this episode is a different kind of childhood. My parent has a mental illness. Um, and so thank you for listening. Um, and for those of you that will listen, we hope that you take this information back to your communities, um, your friends, your family, your colleagues and, and share it. Because, again, th- the reason why Silence of Shame exists is to normalize this conversation so that we can talk about it at the dinner table. We can talk about it at dinner. You know, it's right. not such a taboo thing. So we're going to keep this thing going. And it's only heavy because we don't share it often. That's right. Mm-hmm. It will be- become it becomes, it becomes lighter, lighter. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So um, we have a guest on the phone. But first, before we introduce our guest that's on the phone, I am so excited about our next in-house guest that I'm about to introduce. She's like a really, really, really big deal. The <laughs> fact that she, wow. you know, and, and I tell you, like, God is so good. She will always, always answer my texts or call. And y'all, she busier than Michelle Obama, but it's okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying. No, but no, like, I, I really look up to you and, 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 and value your work and your expertise um, in this space because you've been doing it since 2003. Mm-hmm. And we're babies in this space, although we, we small but mighty. Listen, mm-hmm. y'all are a mighty, mighty force. I say anybody that steps into the trenches, hallelujah, because there will never be enough of us. Mm-hmm. So to give you a little bit about her background, she is a licensed professional counselor. And for those of you that are in the industry, you know that as an LPC. Mm-hmm. She is a media personality. She mm-hmm. was featured on the Steve Harvey TV show, Dr. Phil. And not featured, she's still ongoing. You mm-hmm. might see her anywhere. Mm-hmm. So the Steve Harvey TV show, Dr. Phil, The Family Hustle with T.I. and Tiny and she also is the residential uh, resident clinician rather on the Ricky Smiley morning show so let's give a big silent shame welcome to mm. Spirit Thank you, guys. That's a lot of pressure. Yeah, thank you for blessing our mic. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Whatever. It's a blessing to yes. be here. Thank you we guys for having honored. me. Yeah, thank so you. thank you. And on the phone, our caller today to share her story, um, we're just so grateful that she agreed to, to share her story with us. It's Miss Amanda Booker. So hey, let's welcome Amanda. How you doing, Amanda? Amanda. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Can you speak up just a little bit? Okay, can you hear me? Yes, that's Perfect. much better. Okay. Awesome, awesome. I'm Thank so excited you. about this. I know. I, I, and Free, this is your friend. Yes, I grew up with Amanda. I've known Amanda since second grade. So oh, this wow. is like personal. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, Amanda, tell us a little bit about 
your background. You know, the title, like I said, of the episode is A Different Kind of Childhood. My parent has a mental illness. So tell us a little bit about which one of your parents um, suffers with a mental illness. You know, what it was like for you, how old you were when you started recognizing some of the symptoms and, you know, whatever else you want to share. Okay, so I am 31 now. Um, It's my father. He was diagnosed as um, having bipolar, manic depressive um, episodes. Um, I started noticing um, a lot of his changes and behaviors um, starting at the young age of six. Wow. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm 31 now and having to deal with over, you know, over 20 years of um, having a different childhood. Um, mm-hmm. I always like to say it was, for me, it wasn't a bad childhood. It was just that I had to grow up a lot sooner, a lot quicker, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and being able to stay strong and humble through every situation. Mm-hmm. Um, it was something where they think he may have had it when he was much younger, but he was also in the um, in the Army, in the um, services. So he was a Green Beret, Special Forces, And um, he was actually, he was on duty, but he wasn't um, in action at the time. He happened to be with a lot of um, his other comrades, and he um, he was the one that fell off of a 18-foot bridge. Oh, my gosh. Um, So they think that that trauma to the brain, it shifted something. Mm -hmm. Mm. Um, And that's kind of how everything started from there. So essentially, he was diagnosed with a traumatic brain disorder as well? Right, okay. exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, he was, I believe he was 18 or 19 years of age. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of how everything started okay. at, at that age for him. Wow. 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 Um, so, Amanda, when you say that you were six and you started um, recognizing the changes or, you know, differences in his behavior, what did that look like? Like, how would you describe your father that you remember before six and then at the point where you figured out that this was something different? That's a great question. Uh, that's a really good question. Um, for me, before before the age of six, I remember, you know, going to the park, playing around. Um, he, had, he was into cars and trucks and things. So me mm-hmm. out there helping him with his car, helping him with his truck, um, playing ball, basketball, or um trying to you know ride a bike or just anything i was i wasn't a girly girl when i was younger i was more so of a tomboy so it was anything that was out and active and i'm the only child so it was literally just you know me my mom my dad Mm -hmm. um we had different um i grew up with a lot of um dogs um pets as far as growing up so those are my companions alongside of you know go over my cousin's house and things like that um so it started off that way um around the age of six i started to notice um you know what asking my mom you know well, why isn't you know why doesn't daddy want to play right now or why doesn't he you know want to take me here or there um why is you know he's sounding different and that was the biggest thing for me um with my dad, it was completely night and day. And I mean, Freeman can tell you, you know, when he's himself being the the person that he is, it's totally different than his other person. You know, I would just call it it's his other person or one of his one of his different personalities. And it, with each episode, it was like you got a different person. Um, each time that mm-hmm. you have a medic episode, it was like hearing or seeing a different person. Um, his voice would change completely. Um, his 
um, his attire, the way he would dress would change completely. Um, a lot of things that he would say and do, everything was completely different. So I started to notice, you know, the change in his voice, the way that he would dress, um, the things that he would do. Um, another sign for us was when he started playing his music too loud. We, we knew that, okay, mm-hmm. an episode is about to start. Um, when he mm-hmm. would not sleep. So it was a, I mean, sometimes his episodes would last from anywhere from one week, two weeks, one month, but during that whole process, he did not sleep. Um, mm. Did you find yourself attitude. being afraid as a child? De- definitely. I was definitely afraid because I had to, I had to grow up at a very young age of hearing my father, you know, make threats in the home um, as far as, and it wasn't threats like, oh, I'm going to take this away from you. No, it's threats. And, it, and they were never towards me. Um, mm-hmm. I never started receiving threats from my dad until I was maybe in my early 20s um it was always threats to my mom you know wanting you know he always made a threat of he wanted to see her dead he wanted to um see other family members dead or you know he wanted to kill this person or hurt this person or harm this person um and with a lot of those threats you know my we couldn't be around because we never knew at what point he was going to act on those threats. And that was the, I I guess the worst thing for me is I never knew, you know, when this time, okay, is, is he serious? Is he really going to go and do this? Um, So a lot of my childhood was spent at different, you know, different family members homes. Um, It's been plenty of times where me and my mom just had to literally just, pack and get whatever we could in the next five minutes before he got home and you know go sleep around the corner or you know Mm. just in the car just until we were able to make contact with another family member or um just whatever we could do to get out of the house and you know until we knew that it was safe for him uh, for us to either return or you know so it was a lot of that back and forth um not knowing you know what to do or what was going to be next um school was a a lot um it was a lot different for me um a lot of people now who who know me when i when i was younger a lot of people didn't know that i had a dad a lot of people Mm. didn't know that i had an active father in my life because Mm -hmm. they never saw him Mm -hmm. they maybe saw him maybe three times from elementary to high school maybe three times um and it was just simply because either he was manic having an having an episode which meant that he was in jail or in the hospital or he was on his depressed side so he was always at home not wanting to leave not wanting to eat not want not wanting to shower so it was just a lot of different things going on at one time amanda let me let me stop you right there i want to kind of deal with some of the early childhood and adolescent days. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to have our expert clinician uh, spirit kind of jump in. You know, and it's interesting because in having this conversation, I'm thinking to myself, maybe uh, I might even be able to offer Amanda some perspective that perhaps she didn't even consider or that the family didn't even consider. Because some of what I'm hearing is definitely some of the symptomatology around bipolar disorder. Mm -hmm. But I'm hearing what we call comorbidity, which is other health issues that can be at play as well. So, Shanti, you were quick to catch that TBI or Mm -hmm. the traumatic brain injury, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which can cause some issues. And then 
And I'm wondering also, with your dad's military background, Amanda, if there wasn't some post-traumatic stress disorder, some PTSD there. Uh, because right. individuals who are uh, suffering with bipolar disorder are not necessarily homicidal. And so this idea of that he, when he was in these really tough spaces of anger and irritability, you know, and, and really aggressive in those places and spaces, uh, and you hear him threaten your mom or even you guys fearing that he may harm somebody else, that homicidal ideation, you know, it, it really makes me wonder, like my PTSD, like flag is like going off like crazy. And know? I was just wondering, would right. you would you think, uh, Spirit, were there any signs and symptoms that were characteristic of schizoaffective disorder? Just well, in terms of his different personalities and so forth mm. that would come out? Well, no, you know, at first I was kind of thinking that as she described it, but then the, with the more details that she went into, what mm -hmm. she's talking about is just a change. And so we have to kind of talk about what, you know, what bipolar disorder is and what it isn't. Um, and so the the difference in the presentation that she's talking about she mentioned his thought processes would change you know mm -hmm. who the kinds of conversations he had the kind of interest that he had you know that one of the the things that alerted everybody in the house once he started playing that loud music yeah. you know mm -hmm. he was in a different mind space at mm -hmm. that point and right. so his speech would change he probably began to talk more rapidly he was probably moving into a different place um, you know the the cycling that she talked about that sometimes these symptoms could last for days weeks or even months you know, just depending on where somebody is. And so when we talk about bipolar disorder, what we're talking about is literally moods shifting between very high highs mm -hmm. that we call man manic or mm -hmm. mania right. and very low lows, which mm -hmm. are what we right. tend to, to describe as depression. Let me ask you a question, Amanda. Um, once yes. your dad was uh, properly diagnosed, uh, did you and your mom go to any therapy on your own or support groups to kind of help you cope and deal with this uh, when you were young? Um, yes, we did. Um, I want to. I know my mom went on went on her own individually. Um, I went probably um, only for maybe, if I can remember, for it may have been for a year or so. Mm -hmm. um, I know my mom would keep me in contact with the counselors um, because with, in your school. Right, in my mm -hmm. school, mm -hmm. um, because of just for the simple nature, we had to alert them to let them know exactly what was going on, because there mm -hmm. had been many times where he would come into the school, wanted to check me out or just wanted to see me. Really? But mm -hmm. they couldn't they couldn't allow that to happen. Mm -hmm. So, of course, I had to let the school system know exactly what was going on. So I spent a lot of time in the counselor's office um, mm -hmm. just because I've, I've always been open and um, willing to talk about a lot of different things. Um, and as a child, I, um, my, I didn't have aggression, but I had a lot of, um, anger problems. Um, and I wouldn't mm. necessarily, um, use it towards myself, but it was me being like a mean girl. Do you um, think that was as a result of what you experienced with um, your dad being a I mean do, girl? I mean, I mean, I, I do, um, for the most part, I do, um, a lot of things shifted for me and my dad um really when his when his mom passed okay. um, his mom passed when i was eight years old um and she was everything to him and that really um that was another point in time where we noticed a lot of things changed um mm -hmm. especially i want to say that first year um when she passed his episodes were you know may have been level 10 they were like level 1000 um when she passed um it was really really difficult getting through that particular time point 
Yeah, because you're probably just layering mental health issue on top of mental health issue on top of mental health issue. Mm -hmm. Because at that point, then you have grief, Mm -hmm. you have bereavement issues, you know, and and it's interesting because you mentioned something even when you were describing your dad about, uh, you know, you guys noticed this change that happened once he fell and had this injury. And then when we talk about how you experienced dealing with your anger and some of those things, I want, you know, folks to really understand real clear that Mm -hmm. when we talk about mental illness and somebody suffering from a chronic illness like bipolar disorder if you have it you have it right Mm -hmm. it's not like I had it and then it goes away and it's dormant and then Mm -hmm. it like kind of comes back sometimes it cycles and it's just kind of a lot more intense in its symptoms and sometimes it doesn't so even before the age of six your dad was struggling with bipolar disorder it probably just looked different between before he was dealing with a traumatic brain injury on top of that. And then what we miss oftentimes, Shanti, is that some uh, sometimes it is uh, very common to see children who have mental health issues themselves when they are children of parents with mental illness. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Yeah, spirit? well, you know, some of them are uh, genetically based. So when okay. we start talking about bipolar disorder, the likelihood that an individual may uh, wind up dealing with bipolar disorder themselves or attention deficit disorder, ADHD. Mm -hmm. Um, We always say ADHD is like bipolar disorder's cousin. And so you're likely to see small children who have uh, attention deficit disorder. And we will say that we need to look at that as possibly a precursor to uh, bipolar disorder. But we don't usually diagnose that until adolescence, sometimes around the age of 15 or so. Mm -hmm. Um, But more than anything, just dealing with a parent who has mental illness, that is enough to drive somebody to places of intense anxiety, intense feelings of depression and Mm -hmm. sadness and so because children don't have the same language as adults we tend to see them act out more we Mm -hmm. tend to see them uh, be more sick have what we call psychosomatic symptoms right it's behavioral health right right. so I can't say that I am depressed because my father has a mental illness or that I have anxiety because my father has a mental illness but I can fight in school Mm -hmm. right I can have a stomach ache every day in school I can Mm. withdraw from my friends in school and I might not realize that something's wrong with me But 50% of all mental illness develops before an individual is 14 years of age and 75% before an individual is 25 years of age. And we usually don't see them into the office until 8 to 10 years after the Mm. symptoms develop. So it's very likely that Amanda may have been dealing with depression or anxiety and had mental health issues herself that never got addressed. So what advice, Spirit, would you give to parents who may have, you know, their spouse may be suffering right now Mm -hmm. and they do have children in Mm -hmm. the home. What Mm -hmm. would you tell them kind of specifically to do, um, you know, at the school level, dealing with the Mm -hmm. counselors as Mm -hmm. well as things at home? And then Amanda, what would you tell your younger self or your mom? That's a great question. Your younger self. So we're going to start with spirit. Well, you know, first I would say just across the board, therapy for everybody, right? Mm -hmm. If you're the person, if you're the parent that has a mental illness or if you're the spouse that's dealing with somebody that has a mental illness or you're, you are one of the children Everybody in that situation needs therapy because therapy is the place that gives you the opportunity to process and deal with the experience, to get education about what the experience is, how to manage it, how it affects the family. And so just having a therapist is like having a support system. It becomes a lifeline in your family in the times when things are going amazing, Mm -hmm. but also when things are falling apart. And so having that person is a key, key person. And then also at the school level, I would make it a point to talk to either the administrator or the school counselor or even your child's teacher. And you don't have to disclose that, you know,
you know, somebody in the house has a specific mental illness. That's mm-hmm. private information. It's HIPAA protected information. Okay. But to alert the teacher or to alert the administration to say, listen, my child has some unique circumstances in the house that is going to cause some difficulty. There may be times where my child is withdrawn at school. There mm. may be times where my child has some behavioral issues. There may be times where my child doesn't necessarily feel like getting their work done. Mm-hmm. There may be times where my may have to take my child out of school for a few days because they need a mental health day or two mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. we're trying mm-hmm. to really deal with some issues in the house. And so I need you to be a partner in my child's partnership of their education. Mm-hmm. And so simply by making people aware of what's going on, you can change the dynamic. You can change it. And Amanda, what would you say to a young Amanda? And is there anything that you think, any kind of strain that you put yourself on or things that you went through that you would really like to just kind of let that go Mm. and and let that off your spirit um, so that, you know, if there was anything that you thought you could have done differently, but you might have blamed yourself. But, you know, today we're just going to let go of all of that and just, you know, kind of be at peace with the conversation that we're having. Um, I, I definitely agree with uh, with Spirit as far as the counseling. Um, I think if me being my younger self, I wish that I would have um, went to see someone a lot um, a lot more consistent or frequent mm-hmm. rather. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do I do have to say one thing. Um, I was very very blessed to have a mom mm-hmm. who didn't keep me in the dark about anything. Um, mm-hmm. That's very great. <coughs> very mm-hmm. open. What's your um, mother's so name? Just, we want to speak her um, name she, and celebrate her. <laughs> Sheila. Um, she actually passed three years ago. Oh, I'm mm-hmm. so sorry. Mm-hmm. August 4th, 2016. Was An amazing passed. woman. Um, so well, we still celebrate I, her name and memory. Sheila. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. Amen. Um, I was truly blessed to have her um, because like I said, she was very open, very honest about everything that went on in every aspect of of um of her life um just what she went through with my dad even before i got here mm-hmm. um, just no filter we talked about a lot yeah no filter i mean you could literally talk to my mom about anything mm-hmm. and you felt comfortable in telling her whatever and knowing that it you know it stayed with her mm-hmm. or if she needed to have it to go somewhere to just get any further help and she you know she made sure that it was done mm-hmm. um but i was we were able to openly talk about everything mm. um, you know, that is so cry. rare to cry with her i was able to talk to her about everything so i think i think by having that strong relationship with my mom it really carried me through to the person that i am now um because i think i would have did a lot of things much differently um, had I have not had that strong force with my mom, um, because a lot of people, I mean, it's so many things that I've gone through with my dad and with our situation. And, and my mom, she was a person I had my dad on one end who had a mental health disorder. And then I had my mom on the other end who had a lot of physical health problems. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I had two parents who were both sick, but just in different natures. So mm-hmm. like I said earlier, I had to grow up very quickly you know Mm -hmm. i was you know having to make sure that i was helping my mom but also helping my dad and then you were Um, only child for me Mm. um a lot of pressure was on me from the moment i realized that my dad had bipolar until um like i said the age of 23 or so um because um it was always where literally i was the only person who could 
talk him down in his episode. Mm-hmm. I was the only person mm-hmm. from the age of six all the way to about 23. I was literally the only person. There wasn't an officer. There mm-hmm. wasn't, you know, it could have been the president. It could have been whoever. There was nobody mm-hmm. who could talk him off of whatever he was trying to do but me. Mm, um, what a, I was the whew. only one who was able to get him to not do whatever it was. Can I just um, say something really quickly? Mm-hmm. First of all, just listening to you and your voice and the calmness mm-hmm. of your spirit, you remind me, and I lost my sister in April of this year um, unexpectedly, but our wow. dad took his own life when I was seven months old and my sister was eight. So although you know we didn't live with my dad long and we couldn't recognize a lot of the signs of the depression, obviously well, we didn't or she didn't when we were younger, but she had to grow up very young. And just hearing the way that you just are able to talk about this and share your story and your testimony. And then you had your mom who suffered from physical illnesses. I mean, I just want to applaud you. Um, Free obviously spoke offline about how beautiful and wonderful of a person you are. But I just it exudes through, you know, your personality and character is just coming through the phone. And you are just such a light um, and we're just so grateful to have you share your story on this podcast. And I just wish I could just reach through the phone and give you a hug because <laughs> even you're 31, you're still essentially, you know, you're a young adult yourself. And I just right. don't know where do you get this strength from, even outside of your mother? Like, you know, are you a spiritual person? And I mean, because clearly everything that you've gone through and I do want to talk about you as a parent now um, and how, you know, this has affected you being a parent. But just. I'm just so in awe of you, seriously, mm-hmm. right now. Like, it's such Thank a powerful you. story and just the way you've been able to persevere um, and to still be Thank here and, and still be standing and have so much grace to be able to talk about your mom and your dad. I mean, it, it truly is um, a powerful spirit from yeah. above that's leading you Thank in this walk. Thank you so much. Um, it's my my parents both, they, they raised me, you know, to believe in God and to trust him first and foremost. And mm-hmm. that's literally what I've honestly had to do all of my life. Um, mm-hmm. He's brought us through so many different situations and you get to that point where, you know, you know, that's who you believe in and then that's what you do and you just trust it and you keep moving forward. Um, my mom has always raised me to trust in him and know that through whatever situation, you know, we can make it through and you will make it through. You just have to make sure that you believe um, enough of it. Um, no, is not always easy. Mm-hmm. Um, like I've, you know, Freeman has been able to know all the stories. He's been able to see it, you know, mm-hmm. firsthand. Um, one thing I've shared with him before, um, a lot of people don't know is, you know, me being, I think I was, um, I think I was around seven having to, you know, you just turn on the TV, you're watching the news with, you know, with my mom and my cousins and, we see, you know, they're talking about a high-speed chase on, you know, in DeKalb County. And we're just like, oh, okay, you know. And we're like, we're laughing about it because we're like, oh, <laughs> Until you see the plates. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, no, it can't be. Then, you know, we hear the description of the car. And we're like, oh, he drives this car. Mm-hmm. And then we're looking, and then they finally announce the name. And it's like, I'm sitting here, I'm seven years old, I'm watching my dad have a full-fledged high-speed chase mm. on TV, mm-hmm. you know, and it's um, it's one of those scary things where you're like, you know, you don't want him to get hurt, you don't want the office, officers to get hurt, you don't want any passengers or bystanders to get hurt, and not knowing what the ending 
is going to be, you know, and he's, you know, he's had several high speed chases. He's been mm-hmm. able to completely total the cars and get out and walk and hop right. around and be right. totally wow. fine. And it's been a blessing that out of all of his high speed chases, no one has been hurt. No one has been killed. No one, you know, it's just literally everyone is able to hop out of this completely total crushed car and things be okay. You know, my dad has been in a situation where he's literally fought off 25 officers at oh one time. Gosh. No one able to hold him down. You know, so it's, I've always grown up being nervous because yes, I'm supposed to think and, you know, have safe and security that an officer is supposed to protect me. But when I have a father who can fight off 25 of them, it makes me not feel safe. It's mm. like I'm wondering I, you know, too, Amanda, how... Mm-hmm. No, I'm I'm just curious, has your father ever attempted to manage into any of his mental illness? And as an adult, have you, uh, you know, gone to therapy and done any extensive work just to heal from just the trauma, the secondary trauma of what it means to be a child of a parent who has had, you know, these types of experiences that you've lived through? Um, well, my dad, because he um, because he's a veteran, they do put him through different um, programs that he's supposed to go to and um, have the routine counseling. Um, because of him and who he is, a lot of times, you know, once he starts taking his medication, he thinks he's fine, mm-hmm. everything is well. Um, mm-hmm. When he has his manic ep- episodes, which was one of the most frustrating things for me and my mom, is because... At the end of the day of how the systems are is never at that point where they trust the people who are actually living with that person. So mm-hmm. you know, they go by off of um, when he's in a medic episode and they send him to a crisis center or a crisis unit and they base him off of how he came in versus how he is a week you know, a week later, and they're like, okay, he's done this treatment and he's fine. And we would tell them, no, he is not fine. This is this is not it he needs to stay there and it was always so hard for us to keep him there for any extended amount of time you know and this is the schizo effective part though that that shanti that you keep Mm -hmm. kind of bringing up this is so much more than mania this Mm -hmm. is not Mm -hmm. bipolar disorder that we're talking about because this is some level of psychosis Mm -hmm. this is some Mm -hmm. level of something and i was going to say that earlier when um because amanda did describe the um the personality shifts that he would have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But when she said that she would notice the way that he dressed and changed, like, no, it would be like characteristics, like mm-hmm. almost as a character. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, where he would have moments of maybe even going through extensive time frames of being what felt like someone else, you know, like um, almost like earring, disassociation. disassociation. Mm-hmm. So like maybe, you know, you know something's different because now he's wearing earrings. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. Like and he right. never wore those before. But his other persona. But his other persona does. Wears that. Right, yeah. right, right, mm-hmm. so, and, it, and it, right. So. And I want to go back a little bit to like the, the high speed chase and, and that portion. And so, Spirit, can you also um, give some pointers and tips to family members that may be living through this? You know, how do they handle um, calling the police mm-hmm. on a loved one mm-hmm. if they have mm-hmm. to. Because, again, we tell people we all have mental health. We may not have a mental illness. And so that's why I'm glad that we're dedicating this episode to someone that has lived with someone with more of a chronic mm-hmm. mental illness. Because mm-hmm. that's tough. And, you know, we've experienced it in our family before. 
um, whether it's the threats or, you know, having to call, you know, the police, the unfortunate, you know, duty of having mm-hmm. to call the police. But when you're scared, you know, what do you do? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I am a tough love person, so some folks will not like to, to hear this, but I am all about self-care first. Self-care for you as the individual because you can't help anybody if you're not in your right state of mind. And then self-care for those folks who are unable to take care of themselves, i.e. the children or individuals who have um, a physical or even mental deficiencies that do not allow for them to be able to remove themselves from situations. Mm -hmm. So I am adamant that if you have someone who has a mental illness and they are not willing to take the steps in order to effectively manage and monitor that illness, then you have to do what you have to do to protect yourself and those around you. So I am Mm -hmm. about firm boundaries. I am about um, sometimes discipline, a a distance. Sometimes it is about, you know, there is addition through subtraction, meaning Mm -hmm. if I have to remove my children from this environment in order for them to be their best selves, mm-hmm. then I may have I like to that. think about doing that. There's right? addition in yes, abdi- there's, there's addition, addition in subtraction. subtraction. Yeah, right. So yeah, sometimes yeah. I got to remove some things right, in order right, right. to create, create some, some better things. situations. Yeah. Right. So you know, in situations like this, and and I cannot judge anybody's situation, but if I was a therapist in this situation and I was working with this family, then I would have really wanted to encourage Sheila to take care of first herself and then her children, and what does that look like, and how does she engage with Amanda's father in a way that makes all of them feel safe and healthy Mm -hmm. because otherwise then you live with this generational kind of trauma that Amanda is sharing with us today. And so I am really big on creating those boundaries. I'm really big on trying to raise children in childhoods that they do not have to spend their adult lives recovering from. Mm. And it's just, it's it's just such a Mm. tragic situation. Mm -hmm. It really is. It really is. And so how, what can parents do or, mm-hmm. or even a sibling if mm-hmm. they need? Can you kind of walk us through, like, what mm-hmm. should you do if someone's in crisis? Like, how do you do So if somebody is that? in crisis, first and foremost, I mm-hmm. would lead with that. If I'm ever in a situation where I have to call 911, and unfortunately mm-hmm. we see that, that many of our law enforcement agencies are not equipped to deal with mental illness. But I would lead with that. I am actually trying to, and maybe we have to talk about this at some point, but I am actually trying to add an addition to 911 dispatch calls. You know, they ask the questions, are there any weapons? in the yeah. home is this right, person right, right. a danger yeah. to themselves or others but they don't ask is anyone in, dealing with, with mental, mental illness, illness. That's a right great and that is statement. a critical mm-hmm. question it that is. has to be had that's right but but to take it one step further if that person on the line says yes then in an ideal situation there would be somebody that is qualified in the police department to roll and respond to that call mm-hmm. even if they are just a psychologist that they mm-hmm. that is partnered with law mm-hmm. enforcement or whomever but almost like how you have a negotiator know. exactly but yeah. if they don't ask then if you they tell don't them ask, right? then you tell them right. you lead with that yeah. i'm calling you because i have a mental health emergency Mm-hmm. Right. That's a different conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if, if you say I'm calling because they're being crazy, I'm calling because I'm fearing for my life. Then mm-hmm. they're already coming with one kind of energy. Mm-hmm. They're coming to save you. Right. Your guns out. Hello. Mm-hmm. Hello. Yeah. But if you call and say I'm calling because I'm having a mental health crisis, I have a loved one who is who is who needs an ambulance, who needs medical care. Or need, a, what is it, a CIT trained officer? Yeah, but what sometimes certain, depending on where you are where you in live. the city, right. or depending oh. on where you are in the world, okay. they may not have those, okay. especially in smaller towns, okay. right? Sometimes right. we got a whole five folks that are but make up the whole. But if they are in the largest city, yes, what is you, that? you can ask them. You can say, do you have a, a mental health response unit? Okay. Do you have a CTI? Do you have, because if you don't know the language, I have somebody who's having a mental health crisis. 
is, mm-hmm. do you have a medical team that can respond? Okay. That's the question. Right. And, and I'm, and I'm, I'm glad you actually brought that up because I used to um, dispatch for 911 um, for oh. DeKalb County for a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have signals and things for if we're talking to the person on the line and they seem maybe a little bit mentally unstable. So we have, um, there are codes for that. And if, and if you know right away, then they do try to send out um, a different type of team or some officer that's very familiar with handling it. Um, but another thing I've had to actually take a call and listen to a call for my own dad. Mm. Um, mm. Really? Situations, yes. I never, now that I never knew. You gotta be kidding me. Can yes, you share a little I, bit of that with us? Yes. Yeah, so this was, um, maybe in 2013. I can't um, even believe they allowed that. Like that's just mind blowing for me. Well, just, what, wow. what happened was it was, um, I had another, um, another friend who was sitting next to me that was taking a call. Um, and I could, of course I saw the location that pulled up and everything. Um, I could hear the person in the background very clearly, very loud. And I said, you know, that sounds like my dad. Um, and so I waited until I could see, you know, the description that she gave. Um, and at this time, well, who placed the call? If I can ask, it was, um, he was at a church. Okay. Um, so it was one of the church members. Got it. Okay. Um, so as she was describing the person, you know, she said the color, you know, the color making motto of the vehicle. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, that's just like my dad's car. Um, then as she described, um, as she described him in his attire, I said, okay, that is my dad. Um, because at that time he was, um, a different self. So he was, um, more so he looked like a female he had Mm. on a long black wig um he had a band around his head um and he was wearing all black um but he was very loud and being disruptive um because his history his background um he's actually a um, ordained minister so Mm. a lot of times he's um always talking about religion talking about um god and, and things of that nature um, so a lot of places that he stands around or, or, or is around are churches and other fi- affiliations. Um, so what I had to do immediately was go to the front desk, you know, to the front desk with position one to let them know that this is my father. He is bipolar. You know, I had to aware, you know, warn them and let them know what they were walking into. Um, because had I have not, the situation could have gone a completely different way um i just want to put an asterisk though if we can Mm -hmm. i just want to put an asterisk again to say that this is not behavior that's characteristic of bipolar disorder and i think that it's so interesting i don't know if ever you all will have the opportunity to have him evaluated at another point in time but i think Mm -hmm. even in having more a more accurate representation of what his diagnosis Mm -hmm. is may change how the type of help or the type of care that he gets. Right. Right. Because this is not bipolar disorder. So when you go to, you know, station one and say, hey, this is my dad and this is what he's dealing with. This is something so much more than that. Mm -hmm. It's something so much more. Wow. How how do you heal yourself from experiences like this and how has this affected how you because free told me that you have children children mm-hmm. too how has yes. this affected you as a parent and how you raise your children um for me communication is everything um so for me being able to write it out or talk it out is the best way possible for me um 
in dealing with the passing of my mom and everything, it shifted a lot of different things uh, with me as far as everything just literally, it felt like my world just stopped. Mm -hmm. Um, But by me having um, two children, I knew that that wasn't an option for me to just give up and to just, you know, just kind of aimlessly go through life. Um, So I finally, you know, at year three, I finally basically woke up from everything. Um, Mm. And, you know, got myself where I go to grief share. I, you know, I speak and I talk um, because that's the best way. And, you know, this is, I was so glad when, uh, when Freeman called me and to tell him, you know, to ask him if I was still interested because I was excited about it. Nervous and excited all in one, but this is my first time publicly just speaking out about everything mm-hmm. um, because I've for so long been, you know, really closed about a lot of it because number one it's you know it's that level of you know not wanting someone to be um nervous to come around me if i say Mm -hmm. i'm having a family function and my dad is possibly there and i have to explain him like okay he's okay he's fine that's what i was going to ask you how much interaction Um, do you have with your dad and you know how much um, of of a part and does he live with you um, no, he he doesn't live with me. Um, although he would love to, but I I've, I've had to explain to him on several levels, you know, of why I can't, you know, yeah. I can't live Good with for him. you. Um, Good for and you. And to get him to try to understand that, especially um, because my mom and dad they were married all the way up until she passed, um, but they were separated. Mm-hmm. Um, so me and my mom had made the made the decision to live together back in two thousand eight. So okay. my mom has been with me since 2008. Um, a lot of people don't know that um, we spent, me and my mom spent one year, almost two years away from living with my dad um, mm. because it, it was a lot that was going on. And my mom, you know, with everything that she had going on herself, she tried so much for me not to always be around it. Okay. Um, so a lot of times, you know, I wasn't in my own home. We may have been somewhere else or, you know, we actually at one point for almost two years, stayed in a completely different city, you know, than my father. Um, so it was one of those, one of those things of just for me now is being able to talk about it. Um, mm-hmm. Me and my dad, we speak to each other maybe like every other day or, or something. Um, but there have been times where I've had to completely, you know, just worry about myself, worry about my feelings, how, you know, how I'm feeling because he still gets, um, he still gets in those um, those zones of where he sometimes he can be really negative. Um, if I may have something going on in, in my life, there's always something negative, you know, negative that he's trying to pull out of it. And so there's been a lot of times where I've had to not talk to him. I've had to block him. I've had to, you know, just say, OK, I'm, I, I can't can't see you right now. No, you can't see your children. I don't want it, you know, around. So it's a lot of different avenues that I try to do to make sure now, you know, me being an adult to make sure that I'm not um, allowing any of that to come into my life. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know for me, it's hard because yes, that is my dad and he's my only parent that I have. Um, But for oftentimes, especially when my mom passed, I felt as as soon as she passed, I felt like an orphan. Mm -hmm. I felt like there was just no one else. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's a, it's a hard feeling, feeling to have especially when I went through the process because we didn't even tell my dad a lot of what was going on with her at that time was because we knew that he was going to have an epi- uh, some type of episode yeah. and he wasn't 
going to be able to take or handle mm-hmm. um, handle it well. Um, when I had her memorial service, he was not there. He mm-hmm. wasn't invited. It was very clear that mm-hmm. that's just, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't her wishes. It, it wasn't something that um, we wanted to have. Um, so mm-hmm. it's just, at this point, it's a lot of things that I have to. Girl, God bless you. Oh, you've been through so much. <laughs> Did, she understands ask, boundaries. Though. Yes. Does your father yes. live in a facility or with another family member? Um, he's actually, uh, and that's a long story. I mean, and, and obviously I don't want you to give any personal, right, personal no. information, but is there anything high level you can tell us? Um, he, he lives with his sister. Okay. Um, and that's another situation mm-hmm. of, um, manipulation and control factor. Um, it's a lot that plays into that part, um, and that role of, um, a lot of things with my dad as well, um. So it's a, a very complicated situation I understand. Um, that I've always tried to get him to go into a facility or just go, you know, on your own or, or mm-hmm. be on your own versus being in that type of an environment with your right. sister. Right. So. And last question I have for you. And again, thank you so much for one, your vulnerability, your transparency. Mm-hmm. Um, you mm-hmm. don't know how many people that you're going to be helping mm-hmm. um, by sharing your story, story, not only with us, um, but as you you know, get out there and start speaking and sharing more. Um, how did this affect your career choice um, decision? I know you are a pre-K teacher, a tutor. An assistant director yes. for an after-school program, um, and then I'll shout your book out at the end as well. But did any of this have an effect on the choice that you made? Like, did you want to be able to help other children that might be in similar situations, even maybe not necessarily just parents that may have a mental illness, but just living in, you know, situations that other kids have a, quote-unquote, you know, different kind of childhood? Um. Yes, that. Number one, I, I love children. I love being around children. People ask me all the time, how can you be with children all day, then go home to your own children and, you know, go to sleep and wake up and do it all over again. Um, but for me, academics is everything. Education is everything. But also it's like you said, it's being able to touch another individual. Um, I've had so many children who at a very young age, they they're not receiving love from their mom. They're not receiving, you know, love from their dad. Um, it's difficult situations that they may have going on at home and things are going unnoticed. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always feel like me being in this realm of things, especially with, with the age group that I'm under, um, being able to, to just be that guide and light for them because a lot of times they're not getting it at home. Um, so just being able to be there for them, you know, be the silly adult goofball, as I say, I am <laughs> in my classrooms, mm-hmm. but just being able to be there for them because a lot of a lot of children don't get it um and it's always refreshing i say for them um to be able to have it um and to be able to embrace it and enjoy it and at least know i mean i I still have some of my students where i may have started with them at the age of three and they you know may see me now and they're like oh this amanda you know they give me open arms Mm -hmm. or they may not have seen me in a few years and you know they're giving me open arms and love um, but it's being able to see it and be there and be in their presence um, to be able to share that, to share that passion with them. Wow. Well, we are just so proud of you. and, and Very you much, know, Amanda. Thank you. I, I just just know that you have a friend in Silence of Shame. 
Um, we would love to be able to call on you, maybe even to sit in on some of our community conversations mm-hmm. um, as we yes, take I these topics, that. you know, um, not only in Atlanta, but around the country. Um, and we want to, you know, support you. So I want to sh- have you um, shout out your new book. Um, congratulations. And congratulations. You. And, and you and I, I want to just talk offline because, okay. you know, losing my sister in April has been like life altering for me. Right. And um, she helped to raise me when my dad took his own life. And now my mother has Alzheimer's. And so okay. although it's, you know, I would not compare my life to your life in any way, but there are some parallels there. Um, right. And I'd love to be able to share more with you. Um, and we are okay. going to be doing more around um, grief and loss. And uh, I just don't want to get into too much of that today because I don't know if I can handle right. it. Because <laughs> it is a yes. really difficult time and um, for me still. And so um, just you know thank you and you know blessings to you and t- tell everyone how they can um find your book yes yeah, so i've published my first book is called loving you infinitely before during and after your sunset um it's available mm. on amazon or through me you can um i'll give Freeman my information a shout out um but it's basically in a encounter of before my mom was diagnosed Um, with pancreatic cancer, um, the process of how things were during the whole diagnosis and then after. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's the accumulation of um, a mother-daughter bond. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not me giving anyone a solution on what to do um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for losing a parent. Um, It's not to say, you know, how you should raise your child or how you should um, be involved with your mom, but it's just to give everyone my life, um, mm-hmm. how I handle things, how my mom and I handle things. And I have a very personal spin with it as far as you'll get a chance to read her writings to me, my writings to her, my daughter's writings to her. Um, so it's really personal, but it's just to hopefully be able to touch someone in any type of aspect who has lost a parent or not even may have lost a parent physically, but just in a a sense of just communication um, and things that could maybe help them become stronger um, and to share that light. Oh, girl, I cannot wait to help you. Mm -hmm. You are just (laughs) such a beautiful spirit and human being. And, you know, just applaud you on your life. Mm-hmm. and your journey and, and resilience know, your mm-hmm. resilience Perseverance. And, and you know there's mm-hmm. purpose in your life and just know that you, you have you. a higher calling and so again silence of shame is definitely uh, a supporter and here to help you and um i'd love to throw it back to spirit if there are any closing words um for not only amanda but any other um you know, parents or mm-hmm. aunties or uncles or, you know, people in any community that's mm-hmm. experiencing their loved one. You know, this is not specific to any, you know, nationality. This is mm-hmm. just any human being dealing with this sort of um, experience, yeah. if you will. You know, I just I cannot emphasize the importance of leaning on us as therapists enough. Mm-hmm. I say that the the value of therapy is invaluable, invaluable. Mm-hmm. It is the best gift that you will give to yourself. It is not just for somebody who is not well. Mm-hmm. It is it's someone who is your confidant, your secret keeper, your place to unload, your place to get perspective. And you do not have to have the answers. Mm-hmm. You know, we are the help. And I tell folks all the time, you don't have to even know how to help. You just have to know how to get the person to the help. And mm-hmm. sometimes the person right. is you. Sometimes the person is your children. 
We are here trained to deal with this, to help educate you, to help support you, to help give you intervention strategies, coping strategies, to help you thrive through any and every circumstance that you could possibly be dealing with. And there is nothing that you can't tell us that one of us is not a trained expert in to help you be the expert and live your very best life. And, and, and thank you so much. And I'll just add to that. For some people, I've heard um, them say, oh, well, I tried therapy once and I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Then you Ooh. tried it with the wrong person. Well, I say, what do you say right. to that? Yeah, mm-hmm. That, that you, you tried keep it with, trying, listen, right? listen, It's like dating. Listen, yeah. every, every last right. person needs therapists, even therapists. I always mm-hmm. tell folks, we got an episode on that. Come on, you right. better. I tell folks all the time, if your therapist don't have a therapist, then run. That's okay? right. Okay. And I had to try. I It took me three times over two decades before I found the right therapist to really do that deep, really good work. More to the story. The moral to the story is don't stop looking. That's right. Interview, interview, interview us. Mm-hmm. And it's really about finding just the right person that you mm-hmm. feel safe opening up with. And, and on the flip side it. of that, people with chron- chronic mental illnesses, they mm-hmm. need a good psychiatrist as well. Absolutely. Because, um, and, and you know, not everyone will need medication, but a mm-hmm. lot of people will. Yeah, because what we need and, to remember. we got to erase that stigma, too. We have to. Your right. brain is an organ just like your eyes, your lungs, your liver, your kidneys. And you have to understand that chronic mental illness means that your brain is not making enough or is making too much of something. Mm-hmm. And a great psychiatrist can help you regulate that. Okay. If you had asthma, you wouldn't tell yourself in the middle of an asthma attack, I don't need an inhaler. I should just suffer through it and right. just make it work. Right. If you had a heart murmur and the doctor told you if you took this pill, it would regulate your heart and you'll be OK. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't just say, no, I'll just figure out I should be strong enough in my body to be able to make my heart beat like it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so when we don't consider psychiatric medications, if that is what we need in order to regulate those hormones, mm-hmm. we are telling ourselves I should just be able to will it so. And that is not the way that it works mental illness is not just in your head it is in your whole body Mm -hmm. and you deserve to live the very best life that you can and so whatever you have to do in order to afford yourself that always consider those options and so again I always like we always like to end with some resources so if you are looking for um you know, any sort of licensed uh, mental health professional, you can go on to psychologytoday.com and check them out and and, uh, like, Probably put in your 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 you area can put code. In your zip code. You can put in what you're looking for. Male, female, That's Christian, right. black, white, mm-hmm. uh, specific languages, specific belief systems, and then you interview. You call right. around and you talk to these folks. You tell them about what it is that you're looking for, what it is you think you might mm-hmm. want to be working on. Ask them any questions, and then you go for a visit. And these consultations, when you're talking about interviewing somebody, they're free. Right. We'll mm-hmm. talk to you on the phone, ten or fifteen That's minutes right. for free. Yeah. About what it is you think you might want to be working on nami.org is another great national that's um, a great advocacy one. organization and you can put in your zip code and find um, not only clinicians but support groups in your area mm-hmm. that's a great one um you know manda we're you know obviously silence of shame is based in atlanta georgia and i know you're based in georgia there is if you're in georgia i know our listeners are all around the world but if you're in georgia there is a georgia crisis access line which is 1-800-715-4225 um, and if you're not in Georgia, you know, I would just kind of Google crisis access lines for your state because mm-hmm. most states have them. Um, also, you know, utilize Silence of Shame. We have 
you know, um, 31 other episodes up um, mm-hmm. with people, you know, with, you know, with lived experiences. And we interview other clinicians um, as well as celebrities. Um, we curate community conversations all around the country. Um, I've been sharing my story of emotional health and wellness um, at corporations and at colleges and and high schools and trying to help our teens so you know thank you for taking this journey with us and also you can text silence to 741741 if you yourself happen to be in crisis yes and and when you do that um there's an organization called thank you free for that Mm -hmm. the crisis text line organization and that allows you to text with someone and they have um, counselors on hand 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's completely confidential. And then once they um, text back and forth with you and hopefully can um, de-escalate the mm-hmm. crisis, if you will, um, then they can put you in touch with a licensed professional counselor in your area, mm-hmm. right, in your town, in your state. Um, so any final parting words, Amanda? Oh, no. it's been great it's like like i said this is my first time actually speaking out about it and Mm -hmm. you know it feels great it feels good um so i appreciate it anytime you guys need me i'm here so Mm -hmm. It's been great. And, Go ahead, Free. And I just want to say on a personal note, you know, thank you so much for being there when I reached out to you to do this. Um, I know what it was like, you know, seeing you grow up and go through it. And I know the person that you have grown to become and you are just you'll understand that you are so much like your mom listening to you right now. (laughs) Like the calmness, the Mm. factor, like all that you have gone through and all that she would be going through. Her voice right. never raised an octave. It was never, you know, just those calm kind mm-hmm. of people that you can go to and you and know that's that. That's what my sister was. That's yeah, what I'm saying. Like Listening to her, yeah. I'm like, I know that you get that. Exactly. It's the exact same kind so of beautiful. feeling. And like just knowing to keep that emotional stability, just that emotional intelligence, right? Just just that peace in the middle. So I'm I'm so proud of you and and congratulations on writing a book and everything. I'm just proud of you. Thank you. You're Thank very you. welcome. You know I love you. Yeah, I love you much. Girl. Thank you again. Uh, Spirit, can you tell our listeners how they can follow your expertise? Oh, they can find me. And talk in your practice. <laughs> tell us about your practice. Yeah, well, I'm I'm, in, I'm based in Atlanta, Georgia. I have a group practice of uh, six therapists here in the Atlanta, Georgia area. Um, and so if you're in the Atlanta area, the feel it? free. It's called T2S Enterprises. Okay. T, the number two, S Enterprises. Um, if you're ever in the Atlanta area, you're more than welcome to do that. We also offer telemental health, which is online services. Oh, great. And so that's another option. It's really good to know. Um, yeah, and then you can always follow me uh, on social media. I'm Talk to Spirit everywhere it's talk the number two spirit everywhere and I actually do a mental health chat it's called free advice Friday every Friday really um, yeah I'm, I'm we've been doing it for over three years now each and every Friday at noon Eastern Standard Time no matter where we are in the world you can log on to my Facebook page oh, to talk great. to spirit and you can talk to me and other guest therapists we will live chat with you for an entire hour about any and everything related to your mental health and wellness that is amazing mm-hmm. free our co-hosts yes. our illustrious co-host how can uh, our listeners follow you um i am at free the vision everywhere so dot com twitter instagram everywhere free the vision free yes, the vision yes yes and mm-hmm. i am your host shanti das uh, you can follow me on instagram at shanti das 404 same for twitter uh again um remember to follow us on instagram so at silence to shame on twitter and facebook it's at silence th shame 
and our website is www.silenceshame.com. Mm-hmm. And what else do they need to um, do free? Rate, subscribe, share, comment, and review our go. podcast. Like, yes. heart, all of yes. that. Yes, huh? give us all the love. Mm-hmm. We need it. And we need feedback. it. And, and I'm excited about 2020 and what's to come for our content and our podcast. For so sure. be listening out. Um, so thank you again for tuning in to episode 32 of the Silence to Shame podcast. Again, remember to take time, save a life, and silence to shame.